Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at All Day Packers, and I'm joined, as always, by Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we are coming off of a very enjoyable win over the Chicago Bears this past Sunday. Matt LaFleur retains his undefeated record over the Matt Nagy and Chicago Bears, 5-0. and That's five straight victories over the Bears. The Bears still suck. The Bears will forever suck. Braun, how are we feeling? Feeling good, obviously, after a big, big win, division win that separates us by uh, a few games now in that division you're looking at uh, as, as we look at our schedules coming up uh, we've got Washington next week and the Bears have Tampa the Vikings are on a bye you know the, so we're kind of separating ourselves here getting to a point where even more so than last year when we were probably playing a little bit better than we're playing right now we're separating ourselves even more in the division and it's pretty clear that those other teams just can't contend with us this year so um, that's obviously exciting. Uh, and I'm just excited, obviously, to get into all the good stuff, the bad stuff that we saw in this Bears game, Griff. There was a lot of good, that's for sure. And there was some bad, but, you know, not as much bad as there's been in other games this season. There was mostly good, even though there was only 24-14 to 14 win. A lot of ball control from the offense and just, you know, a lot of a lot of what we expected from the defense versus a rookie quarterback. But uh, let's go big picture here. Aaron Rodgers. 10 and 1 since 2011 at Soldier Field. His career record versus Chicago Bears moves to 22 and 5, which is just absurd. As I mentioned, Matt LaFleur is 5 and 0 versus the Chicago Bears in his coaching career. I mean, what more can you say? This is big brother, little brother. Don't call it a rivalry. The Bears suck. They've sucked for so long that it's just it's just a joke to call it like the best rivalry in sports, you know? Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he owns his franchise as he made as he made very Can we talk about that, Ron? Let's start let's start with that because it's everywhere, kind of broke the internet. You know, for a while on Instagram, I couldn't get past two posts without seeing that clip. Uh, How about Aaron chirping the Chicago crowd, taunting them? He didn't get a flag for it, but he he made it very clear that he owns their favorite sports franchise. Well, you know, if he he was to get a flag for that, I mean, I think you'd probably have to get some offsetting penalties there on the fans for the middle fingers that they were all throwing (laughs) at him. but that was to me like I want to see him get, you know, like I want him to to really show that he's the man. Like, and he doesn't often do that. He's a very humble guy. He knows he's the man. But when he goes out and and says stuff like that, that's what I want. I want him with that that like almost that prove yourself mentality. Like that he still has to this day. Like I still want him to kind of show that and display that each and every week. I mean, that was just pure swagger. That just in in a moment where he knew he, that he just sealed the game up with a with a run and look at the things that all all of that surrounded, you know oh he can't run anymore and he just ran for a touchdown oh you know the the Bears have this young quarterback and the defense and they're gonna you know they're gonna win at home here all these things that were being said and, and people questioning Rogers loyalty to the team people questioning you know all these different things about him as a player as a person as a teammate as a leader. And then he comes out and scores that touchdown, and he sees the hate from the fans in the crowd that they just that they know that he just ended their season, uh, even though it's only week six, and he just let the emotion out, and that's what I love, and and I want to see more of that from him because he deserves to have all the swagger, all the emotion, make any statements he wants because he's just that good, and we saw that obviously on Sunday. It was amazing, man. It brought me to my feet. Aaron Rodgers is just the coolest dude on the planet. Like, 
and like you said, you're absolutely right. He never, he's never said anything like that to anyone. Every time he talks about the Bears, it's always like the most respectful things about how he respects the rivalry, yada, 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 like coach speak pretty much. And he said he blacked out on the field. And like uh, the first thing I saw was Aaron Nagler. He tweeted that, quote, I've, I still own you. I still own you. And I was like, there's no way he said that. And then I'm watching it over and over again. And I'm like, he did say that. He actually said that. Like, it felt like when a, when like a, character in a tv show or movie breaks the fourth wall you know when they look at the camera and address address the audience it was so weird to hear him say because he's never said anything like that especially on the field like maybe on social media one time like five years ago one time but i've never seen him do anything like that on the field and it was it was awesome and like i said it broke the internet i mean that's it, he could have thrown three interceptions in the game in this game and no one would have known because that's like the main major takeaway from everyone about this game was Rogers yelling at the crowd. It was awesome, man. That's that's they're going to show that in his Hall of Fame, his Hall of Fame highlight reel, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the all time Aaron Rodgers moments. And uh, for it to happen in, in a game against the Bears and it just, it just was perfect. It was like you knew as soon as it happened, like it was just perfect. And I remember watching as I was watching, he obviously scores the touchdown and I'm looking and I'm hearing something and I'm like oh he's talking he's talking and I don't know what he's saying exactly but I knew it had to be something good and then as like you said as they I was hearing it a little bit and then Greg Olson said well Aaron Rodgers had some choice words <laughs> and I knew I had to hear it again and I made sure and and then I saw what he was saying and it was just like wow like he does own them and it's just like yes like finally like now, not only have the fans been saying, you know, we own the Bears, we beat them 22 and five against them, Aaron Rodgers in his tenure. And, you know, Bears fans are in denial about their chances to win the game every year. And it's the same old story, really. It's just, you know, they have hope that they're going to win and they've got the defense and they've got the quarterback, they think, and all this stuff. And then we always just say, we've got Aaron Rodgers we're beating you. It's not going to be this close. It's not going to be, they always think it's going to be a really good game. It's going to be competitive. And it's like, yeah, sometimes it's competitive, but in the end, we all know who's going to win. And Aaron Rodgers just kind of affirmed that to all the fans watching all the fans that could hear him in the front row. And now it just solidified that fact that the bears really are just not on our level when Aaron Rodgers is playing quarterback. He is the boogeyman. He is their, their worst nightmare. I think Greg Olson said that, you know, every, everywhere in the country during Halloween, they sell Michael Myers masks and Freddy Krueger masks. But in Chicago, they sell Aaron Rodgers jerseys. <laughs> He's the, he is their worst nightmare. He always has been. It makes Week 14 versus Chicago at Lambeau Field very important now because you know for a fact that if we somehow drop that game, which will be a all-time upset because the Bears are awful and they'll always be awful, um, that'll, that'll, be, <laughs> that'll be a tough pill to swallow, and the Bears fans are definitely going to utilize that quote against Rodgers and I'll be at that game also so Ugh. oh the stakes are high for week 14 let's just say that yeah, they may be high if it matters at that point but I I could totally see us you know having a, a substantial lead by the time that game rolls around yeah we very likely will and the Bears surprisingly are only three and three even though they're 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 not good they're not good and Justin Fields he played like a rookie quarterback he probably is going to be good he made some nice throws but he's just he's not going to win anything this season especially with Matt Nagy at coach I'm done trashing the Bears I, I love trolling Bears fans on Instagram it's one of my favorite activities they you said it man every single season they just get so confident every time they're going to play the Packers they get so confident 
in their little echo chambers and they're like oh the rogers is old he's regressing and like in every every year the same thing happens anyways let's talk about the game actually what took place on the field Aaron Rodgers, let's start with him. He only attempted 23 passes, only dropped back 28 times. That was pretty surprising. You know, both of those were season lows. Uh, we really just relied on the run game, tried to grind out the clock, and fed the ball to A.J. and uh, the other A.J., Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Uh, Rodgers took three sacks, two throwaways, but other than that, he only had four incompletions, which was surprising. It wasn't the sexiest game in the world on offense, but they got the job done. They got the points when they needed to get their points, and... Overall, it was just a solid offensive performance. In terms of the offense, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, we talked about you know how good he played. The two touchdowns, the one rushing touchdown, six incompletions only. You know that less than two hundred yards, but you know I'm not worried about the yardage or anything like that. You know this isn't a year where he's I, I don't he could win MVP and that'd be great, but I'm not concerned about that. We saw when he won MVP last year, he just he just had to let everybody know who he was again, like those who forgot. And he did that, and now he's still he's widely recognized to be on that level, and he doesn't need to go win MVP again to prove that. Now it's just time to, for us to, as a team to go win a Super Bowl, and he's obviously the uh, the most major part of that. Um, but with him, you know, he made I thought he made really good throws. This was probably one of the better games he's had this year. Just I, I think mostly due to the lack of I think there was less missed throws this week. There was I, I think he's having trouble throwing deep this year, less than he did last year. Um, he was very, very good deep. He didn't miss many deep throws at all this year with MVS. He didn't throw well early in the year and, and he's gotten some more connections with Devante deep as, as these games have rolled on and he's starting to get into a rhythm, but he still missed a couple deeper, deeper shots. And I think when MVS comes back now that he's a little bit more in rhythm, when David Bakhtiari comes back, protects his blind side, I think all that stuff will kind of fall into place for us. Uh, and he'll get better there. Um, but yeah, in terms of Aaron, I, I thought he played a really good game, uh, one of his better ones of the year. So uh, that's obviously exciting to have, especially against the Bears, the, the great defense they have. You, you can't. That's the one thing they have. They do have a good defense. The front is incredible. He did a great job getting away from the pressure and, and utilizing his feet to run around the field when he needed to. Obviously, that touchdown um, and everything else. I, I just thought he was very poised in there as usual. So good game from him. Yeah, the deep ball is it just hasn't been there like it was last year. He's this year he on twenty plus yard throws, he's nine of thirty, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and a forty eight point four seven rating on twenty plus yard throws. That's just it's that's like un Aaron Rodgers like. And you can you can blame it on a number of things, really. You can blame it on the O line health. Health, he hasn't had the same sturdy pockets that he had last season, hasn't had David Bakhtiari protecting the blind side. Or you could blame it on MVS because here's here's a fun nugget for you, Braun. Without MVS, MVS last played week three. Since week three, uh, the last three games, there have been four completions over 20-plus yards. Three of those were to Devontae Adams, and one of those was to Randall Cobb, the touchdown versus Pittsburgh. That's it. It's been Devontae. One time it was Randall Cobb and no one else. Without MVS, the deep ball is just, it's like not an option for this offense. There's no one who has the speed that MVS to stretch stretch the defense out and go down the field and uh, get open. You know, there's no one who who's able to do that except Devontae Adams, and we would much prefer him to be working the intermediate stuff. So being able to get MVS back potentially this week, which I would expect that we do, uh, that's that's going to mean a lot for the offense. And, you know, Aaron, he just I – don't, I don't know what it is. I think you know, sometimes, you know, he's not exactly pressured, but there's guys close to being in his lap, offensive linemen. They're getting bullied back into him. 
<clears throat> so he doesn't have the same, you know, clean pocket to be able to step up and really make a throw. And we all know Rodgers, if he <laughs> he's more confident in his ability to throw off platform than pretty much any quarterback in NFL history. So he's not going to turn up an opportunity to th- flick one 40 yards downfield without setting his feet if he doesn't have to and I think that's led to a lot of the inaccuracies and once we can get a healthy O-line I think that's going to help a lot and MVS coming back is definitely going to help a lot because like I said there's just really no one else in that room who can match his speed and what he can do to the defense yeah I certainly uh you know last year we were hitting on about two of those a game maybe you would think those 20 yard downfield deep shots um, they seemed automatic last year, and I'm sure most fans can recall how easy we made it look in the passing game. Um, I think that will come. You know, like you said, David coming back too. I, I think that'll be important to get the O line at its peak. Um, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing, right? Like it's just a little bit off. Like the throws are just a little bit off, or it's just something's not right. I think once MVS comes back, hopefully things will kind of, like I said, fall into place there. Um, where all the kind of timing of everything matches up right. Um, Rodgers has been playing better. Like that week one game was part of that, and then MVS went out a few games after. Um, so to me, like, I think once those things kind of fall into place, so will the deep ball uh, for this offense. And, and Griff, I did want to talk about one thing to me that's been super impressive from the offense as a whole, and really b- both sides of the ball, but most specifically the offense is the lack of penalties that we've had. It's just been really something that has been not not surprising, but definitely a great reason as to why we're 5-1 and one with despite all the injuries we have. Um, if you look at the offensive line, the, the fact that they've been so jumbled up and injured and so many different matching uh, starting fives, it's uh, the fact that we've had so few false starts, you know, things like that, especially with Rodgers' hard count, these young guys playing, really impressive stuff. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on how well we've been doing in the penalty game so far this year. Yeah, they're a well-disciplined group, man. I mean, knowing how young and inexperienced this group is and how many injuries that there's been and how much inexperience is in there playing right now, it's pretty crazy that there's been so few holding and false start penalties along the offensive line. I mean, we know Adam Stanovich is a great coach. He's probably going to be leaving Green Bay in a couple of years because he's he's just the way he's able to bring up offensive linemen is so crazy. And uh, I've I've no doubt that he's getting these guys ready to go. Yeah, I did want to touch on the offensive line, Griff. The Elton Jenkins did not play a great game, but it, it was his first game back from that injury, so I'm sure he'll be back to normal as the time goes on. And you know, he has he's been moved around a little bit. Who knows where he'll play next week? He he mentioned that Elton. To me, he he made Matt Lafleur made it sound like Elton would be playing at center possibly. Um, once David comes back, which I'm not a huge fan of, but that's only now because Josh Myers has gone down. So, I mean, what it's to, to mix and match here, it's like once David's back, it's got to be Bakhtiari on the left, obviously. And then at the left guard spot, that's where Elton played last year for the most part um, until David got hurt. Uh, but that will probably be, I, I would guess, Runyon. And then at center, if it's not Lucas Patrick and they put Elton there, then they keep Newman at right guard and have Bill Turner at the right tackle. Um, to me, I would just personally go with David Runyon, uh, and I would put Patrick at center. I would put Bill Turner at the right guard spot, and then I would put Elton on the right tackle spot. To me, that's probably what would be best for the O-line as a whole to get the best five out there. Um, I don't know what you think, Griff, but it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of utilize that group and who they actually throw out there 
once David is back in in the fold. Yeah, assuming that Myers is going to miss a few weeks, which it sounds like he is. I I'm like what you said. I I I don't know. I'd want to keep Elton inside though cuz he's just so good at the guard spot and the center spot really. And we saw this week how he can kind of struggle going up against those dominant edge rushers and so I think I think the best spot would be what you said with David, Runyon, anything to get Newman off the field, man. I I I'm getting real sick. I'm getting real sick of Newman. The amount of miscommunications to his side, to the right side. Aaron pretty much called him out after the game. He said like it was an easy slide right protection that he just whiffed on. And there's like three, all three sacks this game were just they look like just miscommunications where guys were coming unblocked. Like what's going on? And it always seems to be to Newman's side. So I mean, he looks like a talented guy. He looks like he could be something in the future. But until he gets until he gets his pass protections figured out, I'm I'm not too confident with him being on the field. So I think the best five does not inf- include him, but it does include Lucas Patrick, who isn't the best player in the world, but uh, he's brings the experience at the very least. I think he does great things in the passing game. You know, which he's had some issues in the running game, but his best work is done in the passing game. I think that has a lot to do with his experience playing with Aaron, you know, not only at the guard spot, but at the center spot when needed, like uh, the run game stuff. A lot of these guys are much better in the passing game than they are in the run game. And that's kind of why at times the running game has struggled. Um, But I, I don't know. So you would, you would put Elton in the center spot or would you put him at a guard spot? Because then Lucas is playing center. I, I, in terms of like who's the better center, which is going to be more important than the guard spot, I would put if you're not going to put him at the more valuable tackle spot, which I would, and I I think then you're then you're also making Bill Turner a better player by putting him on the inside where he's going to do his best work in the run game. To me, that's what you do. But if you're not, then are you going to put him at center to, to utilize his most value uh, at the spot where it's more valuable, or are you going to put him at the left guard spot next to David to have like a secure left spot? Uh, what do you think? What are your thoughts there? Because that's certainly an interesting uh, situation. Well, I think I think Bill Turner's fine at right tackle. He's not he's not Brian Belaga in his prime, but he's he's been fine for the most part. He's probably been the most reliable part of the offensive line through six games. And I also I I think having Elton at the left guard spot is more valuable than the center spot. Center, it's like a lot of in run in run blocking, it's pretty you know, you kind of need a good center and Lucas is not a great run blocker, as we mentioned, but uh, in pass protection, a lot of the times you're just, you're chipping and you're helping guys on your left and right side. So I, knowing how good of a pass protector Elton is at the guard spot, I, I kind of want to put him there as soon as possible. It's certainly going to be interesting to see how Matt LaFleur goes about that. It's, it's a puzzle that we can't even really begin to kind of sit down and have like this group that we feel like is best. I mean, there's so many options you know, who knows if Runyon will be, you know, starting like there's so many different guys there. And that's that's certainly a good thing. And of course, they've got Dennis Kelly, who is a former starter at right tackle, still sitting there on the bench in the event that things get really bad on the offensive line in terms of injuries. So um, a lot of depth there, certainly the strongest of all the position groups that they have on this roster, if you ask me. Um, and uh, they're helping the running game as well. Um, those two guys, Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon, have just been absolute dynamite for green bay so far this season and they're not even running the ball all that well it's just their presence and what they're doing uh, they they're not doing it at crazy level uh but the big ones are huge you know th- those ones that they break away for aaron jo- aj dillon had a 36 yarder the week prior um 
Uh, Aaron Jones had the 59-yarder. I mean, those things really matter, and they're game changers, and, and both of those players are game changers as well. They both averaged over five five yards per attempt on Sunday. First time they've done that this season, that both of them averaged over five, and they combined for 135 yards. And Rodgers had the only rushing touchdown of the game, but Jones did have the receiving touchdown, and they are just, they're just great compliments to each other. They split the carries pretty much. Jones had 13 carries. Dylan had 11 uh, it's just great thunder and lightning duo there where Jones brings the elusive. We say it every week. Jones brings the elusiveness. AJ is going to bring that Derrick Henry style, big legs, impossible to tackle with one guy. Uh, it's just a perfect, it's a perfect change of pace for the defense. They get too used to one guy and then you bring in the other. And guess what? He's going to run right through your dime defense. That's the great thing. I mean, defenses have to really choose even at the at the surface, when you're game planning for this for this Green Bay Packers running game, their packages where they're going to want to stack the box are more against AJ Dillon because they anticipate that he's not going to catch the ball to the level of what Aaron Jones can do, and he's going to be out there on running downs more often than it would be a passing down, and vice versa for Aaron Jones. But in this case, both of these guys can do everything at a high level. We've seen what AJ can do in the passing game. AJ Dillon. It's always confusing when you have to say AJ, and, and I've been calling Aaron Jones AJ all these years. But uh, to have both of those guys being able to do everything so well, it makes it so hard for defenses to kind of go against that and try to put out their personnel packages in the right way that they feel like is going to uh, combat whatever Green Bay is trying to do on offense. It's just so difficult, especially when you've got two guys that you think you might know, and then they both come out and do different things that you didn't expect like A.J. Dillon catching the ball out of the backfield against the Bengals. Um, and Aaron Jones did that at, at a pretty good level these past few weeks as well. So um, just super hard to game plan against, and I think that's one of the true elements of of the complexity that Matt LaFleur always talked about these several years that he's been here now. Uh, it's been a great part of why we've been so successful on offense, even when Aaron Rodgers isn't throwing the ball as well deep as we would like. Yeah, and when we have as many injuries as we do on the offensive side of the ball right now, it's nice to be able to rely on two guys like this. And it's they have, like, they got to have some of the toughest jobs for a running back in the league because the offensive line, man, it's just a lot of the times they do not have good looks when they get the ball from Rodgers. And they had to combine 90 yards after contact on Sunday. Once again, a lot of their production is coming after contact where they have to make guys miss and break through tackles because nothing comes easy for them. They don't have the they don't have that 2017 Rams offensive line that Todd Gurley had where he was just running through open gaps on every snap. They got to fight for every single yard and they they've done a great job the two of them. Yeah, and hopefully those they can even improve. I think they're the one thing that we could do on this in terms of this running game is I think Rogers talked about it a little bit in a little bit in his post game press conference, which is there's been a lot, especially these last few games of runs that just go for zero yards and are just like you get back to the line of scrimmage and it's just like they have to kind of get behind the sticks and then now it's second and ten or they do it on second down and it's now third and seven or third and six and. It's just like, I, I feel like once David's back, and we keep saying that, and he's practicing this week, and, and it's going to be really good for this team. He, his impact is going to be felt as soon as he gets back on the field, and it's going to be hard for teams to game plan against him, and it's going to make our offense better all around. Our running backs will have a much easier time once Elton is playing inside or once Bill Turner is playing inside, and we've got better players helping in the running game and it'll it'll be a much smoother operation I think 
not only the running game, but I think the play action will be a lot smoother as well. And maybe that's when you start to see the deep ball have more success. And some of those, uh, we talked about the rollouts to Tunyon that we haven't seen as much. I think they'll be able to incorporate those things again once they don't have to have guys chipping, extra protection, all that kind of stuff. And that's all just having David Bakhtiari back in the mix, the best tackle in football, the best offensive lineman in football. And we talk about a team that's 5-1 and one without him and potentially getting him back in the next couple weeks. To me, that's not bad. And now you're going to be in a position where you're playing your best football with five wins, only one loss, and you're getting better, getting healthier, and you're improving as the season goes on. And that is, obviously, we talked about it last year, that is the recipe for a Super Bowl champion squad. So exciting stuff we've got there. Right, that's going to help the run game. It's going to help the play-action game off of that. And it's going to help the deep ball, too, because – so much of the deep ball success last season was off of these play action shots where we got MVS wide open 60 yards down the field and Rogers just throws a bomb and it doesn't even matter how accurate it is because MVS is so wide open that he can just readjust and make the catch and having Bakhtiari back really allows us to do all that because all the deep balls that we're trying this season is just it's most of the time it's five wide most of the time it's there's a guy in Roger's face because it's an empty set and there's, you know, there's guys chipping, but it's pretty much just hit the top of your drop and get rid of it. There's none of the schematic advantage from the offensive perspective. And it's just, that's leading to the inaccuracy. That's the big difference from this year to last year. Um, Rogers is still, he's still really solid over the intermediate levels of the field, that 10 to 20 yard range. He's still been really solid. He's this year, he's 23 of 36, three touchdowns, no interceptions and a 129 rating from 10 to 20 yards. And actually on Sunday, all four of his incompletions other than the throwaways came 20 plus yards down the field. So inside of 20 yards, he was 16 of 16. He's been as good as ever in that 20, 10 to 20 yard range. And that's where, you know, that's where the truly great quarterbacks find their success. That's where they make their money, that 10 to 20 yard range. And that the deep ball stuff that tends to be a little bit more streaky. That tends like he's has, he has a 48 rating right now on throws 20 plus yards down the field. There's he's like, he might not be the best deep ball thrower of all time, but he's not 48 passer rating. So that's probably going to positively regress back towards a hundred where he was last year. And, uh, but the 10 to 20 yard stuff that tends to be more sticky. That's year to year, uh, sustained success for most quarterbacks. So, uh, Outside of the deep ball stuff, Rodgers is still playing really well and really accurate. And having David Bakhtiari back just helps us bring back in that deep ball success. And uh, it's going to look, I think it's going to look a lot more like what we're used to seeing from last year. One of the things that he's done more and had more success with, I think, uh, which has a lot to do with the way they're covering Devontae Adams, is the stuff he's doing in the middle of the field. Having a lot of success throwing the ball over the middle. Two guys like Devontae, Alan Lazard being one of those guys he consistently connects with in the middle of the field. Randall Cobb as well, um, despite him not having a catch this past game. Um, but he, he's working well in the middle of the field, confidently throwing there, um, which he wasn't doing as much of last year. Um, I feel like he's having more success of that now. And, and like I mentioned, the way they're covering Devontae Adams, whether it's with um, it, most of the time, it's going to be middle field open when they're playing this too high. It, you know, it, it naturally will be this too high safety stuff where they've got a man on Devontae Adams and a safety that's kind of cheating to his side. Every single time that middle field is going to be open. And it's just the nature of, of that too high coverage, that zone stuff that teams are running against Rodgers and, and Devontae Adams on a consistent basis each week because the Saints had a lot of success against that and other teams have played played it and been able to contain uh, 
Aaron Rodgers and Devontae's connection somewhat. So teams are going to try their best to do that. And the Bears did it quite a bit, and they had not a lot of success because they were still able to connect uh, a lot of the times in the middle of the field where guys weren't going to be. So I feel like, you know, they're finding ways to maneuver all these different coverages that defenses are trying to put up against that connection. And the connection is still proving to be the strongest in the league, despite whatever is thrown their way. And and that's the exciting part about what they're doing on that offensive side of the ball. Yeah, the Bears forced Rodgers to spread it out more than he has all season. Vontae only had five targets on Sunday, which was by far the lowest number of the season for him. He was still able to get 89 yards because he's a freak and the best receiver in football. But uh, the Bears made it clear pretty early that there wasn't going to be a lot of success thrown to Devontae. And they were making it a point to take him away. And Rodgers did a good job spreading it around. Uh, Lazard also had five targets. Finally getting him involved. He had a big 13-yard reception on the opening drive. Uh, that was nice to see. And credit to LaFleur, too, to just sticking to the ground game, sticking to his offense, sticking to what works, sticking to their game plan. Because it early on, it did look like it did feel like one of those games where they don't get off the plane and Rodgers complains about the energy. When the Bears just went right down the field and we had two three and outs in a row, I'm pretty sure. It was it looked like it could have gotten ugly, but credit to LaFleur for sticking to what he knew would work against this defense. And credit to Rodgers, too. Everyone says he forces it to Vontae. Oh, he's got to spread it around more. He forces it to Vontae when he's not open. Not this game. Devontae only had five targets, which uh, I don't know if that's really good to see, but it's good for that crowd who complains about him forcing it to Devontae. Yeah, uh, we talked about a lot about the Devontae forcing thing last week, but uh, in terms of this offense, just you know, with Devontae, and, and once Randall Cobb gets more involved again like he will, and Alan Lazard getting his chance to kind of you know, get involved in the passing game with that shovel pass and a couple other key plays. Um, these guys are, are going to be pretty good, especially we talked about MVS. Once he's in the mix too, it'll open up some of the deeper stuff. It'll kind of relieve some of the pressure off Devante where they're not able to just kind of single out on him because they've got this, you know, this guy who's the fastest player on the field at all times, you know, he's going to be there and he's going to be on the other side trying to burn you. So they got to be careful with the way they're playing their safety coverages um, and the way they're just going to, you know, if they're going to put two on Devante, you know, something deep's going to open up and that's, that's where MVS comes in and Randall Cobb can do his work in the slot in the middle of the field. So uh, Tanyan though, you know, he had a couple catches uh, this past week, but he's still, his blocking has been poor at times um, and his, his stuff in the passing game just hasn't been there like it was last year. So they're still trying to figure out how to work him in again. Um, but I do like the way this offense is moving, Griff. Yeah, Tanyan, man, it's it's just it's just sad to see. He was a fan favorite last year. How many touchdowns in this year? He just doesn't look to have it. And it's like, I don't know, maybe it's a lot of scheme stuff. Maybe he just had a weird year because defenses didn't really know who he was. Undrafted free agent, like fourth year in the league. Who's this guy? or I think it was only his second year in the league. But anyways, defenses didn't really, they didn't really game plan for him. But now he's coming to this year, our starting tight end. Uh, I don't know, maybe they're just expecting more of him. But it's it's not like, it's not like he's dropping open throws, but Rodgers is giving him chances. He's giving him opportunities to make contested catches. And he's just, he's not bringing them down like an elite tight end would. So it it's not a huge deal. It's not like, he's a detriment to our offense, but it's just one of those pieces that we had last year that we just don't quite have this year. And I don't know, is Mercedes Lewis our best tight end? Is he tight end one? He might be. Yeah. I mean, he, he's been playing great. Obviously we know what he does as a blocker, but he's just, when he catches the ball, 
it's like a bowling ball running through these bowling pins in front of him. It really looks like that because he just pushes guys over and really mauls anybody that comes through his way, and then he ends up just getting out of bounds because nobody can actually tackle the man. Uh, I, I love what Mercedes is doing for this offense, and I love that he's getting more involved when a guy like Tunyon isn't playing his best ball. I did mention last week, you know, I thought Ertz would be an option for Green Bay. Obviously, it, it didn't end up going that way. Now, he's with the Arizona Cardinals, but I could certainly see Green Bay looking to add to the tight end spot if they were going to add some kind of playmaker. Just because, you know, Tunyon isn't playing as well, especially in the, the blocking game. He just hasn't been there. Um, they could use another vertical threat. Anybody that can catch the ball, you know, you can never have too many of those guys on the team trying to win a championship for not only depth purposes, but just to have another guy in there who can make plays and develop a a chemistry with Aaron. You can never discount that on a team trying to win a Super Bowl. So um, certainly I do think that's one of the spots uh, that we could look to add to potentially, whether through trade or free agency, if we were to go that route. I highly doubt that happens, but that would be very nice because I like talking about it, but doesn't happen (laughs) as we know it's it's always fun to talk about especially like we shouldn't learn our lesson by now Bron. never happens never happens we're gonna be in on every conversation i'm surprised we weren't the betting favorite for zach Ertz because we're always the betting favorite for any guy on the trade block it's always oh watch out for the packers it's we're minus 200 for whatever reason and then uh it ends up going to some other team it's usually what happens but surprisingly we were not rumored to be in on zach Ertz. Well, we remember we were the favorites for Isaac Yidem, and we got him. So don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone, everyone got to cash their Isaac Yidem <laughs> to Green Bay tickets. That was that was that paid out a lot of money. Uh, all right, that kind of does it for the offense. Anything? The only thing I had to add was Randall Cobb held without a catch, which you mentioned earlier. That was very upsetting. I want to see him score three touchdowns every week, but against the Bears, I was hoping he would score seven. So it's unfortunate that he didn't even have a single <laughs> catch. Against the Bears, we just need to give him all of Devontae's targets. Just make him the number one receiver for a week. Because, like, come on, he couldn't even get a target? Come on, Aaron. You know how special this, this game is for Cobby. Man, you know, when the Bears made it a three-point game, 17-14 in the fourth quarter, I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Are the are the Bears setting, their, setting themselves up for another Randall Cobb heartbreak? But no, Rodgers just ran it himself, which was better. But Randall Cobb, wish he would have gotten at least one, you know, one touchdown. That would have been nice. Instead, he's left with nothing. But he'll be back next week with five touchdowns. Mark it down now. <laughs> week 14. He's coming. He saved all of his production for week 14. That's a 300-yard game. Right. Yeah. 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 How great is it that he's been able to stay healthy, though? I mean, he's not to talk about Randall Cobb for a long time, but, I mean, he's been healthy. He's been productive when he gets the ball in his hands. He's not. He hasn't had any drops, obviously. He's played well. I'm just super happy to have him. Really can't say it enough how great it is to have him back on the squad for reasons both on and off the field, as we know. Uh, so it's he's been played great really to well. have him back. He's played really well. It's it's such a – and it's great. Like we we mentioned this a couple episodes ago, how great it is to have him playing as well as he is because it kind of shows like, hey, we should have brought him – we sh- we should have never let him go. We should have never let him get out of this building because of what he means to this team. He's well-renowned around the league as a guy who you want on your football team, and, and that's why he went to go play with two other great quarterbacks that wanted a type of security blanket in the slot like he is. So great in the locker room. Cannot say enough about him. So 
just great to have him back. And he's going to be a big part of this team this year, and, and it's just getting started for him. Yeah, it's very nice for Randall Cobb to be on the team. And a lot of people were whining about how he misses so many games due to injury, which, you know, that's true. He has missed a lot of games to injury. So it's nice getting six weeks in without a Randall Cobb injury or a Randall Cobb drop. That's very nice. And uh, I wish he would have, you know, gotten one target. But with only 28 dropbacks, kind of makes sense. Um, let's switch gears to the defense. Sound like Colin Cowherd there, but let's switch gears to the defense. They looked very bad on the opening drive. They looked very bad. And I was like, oh, boy, this is not going to be pretty. But uh, after that, they really cleaned up well. They allowed one more touchdown, but that was, who cares? The rest of the game, they looked very solid, containing Justin Fields and that that Bears offense. I was about to say awful, but they're, they're a little bit better than awful. They got some playmakers for sure. Uh, Isaac Yayotam, who we just mentioned earlier, he was awful on the first drive. He was very bad. He started, he literally started the game, Bron. Can you believe this? He started the game, finished the game with nine snaps. <laughs> they I let him go I, one drive and then pulled him. <laughs> yeah, I don't think his name is Yayadam or whatever you said, but I don't know if he deserves to have his name pronounced correctly, to be fair. Honestly, I don't think <laughs> the way he played. I don't even know how you say his name. I, I've heard so many different iterations of, yeah, he played garbage. He was terrible. He It was like, it, it was bizarre how bad he was, and I wasn't surprised. Um, but the fact that Rasul Douglas came in the game and it was like a clear upgrade not that he played spectacular but it was just he was not just completely incompetent like Isaac Yidem was so uh that was just it was really crazy to see how him just getting off the field changed things for the defense it did my favorite part of is it Yidem I think it's Yidem that's what you're saying I, Yadam, my favorite Yadam, part of Yadam, I don't know. I'm genuinely unsur- unsure. Probably the uh, last time we have of... to say his name anyway, I think. Might be getting cut. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorite part of his day was <laughs> the pass interference penalty where he, he gets beat. He did the thing where you get beat for a touchdown, so you just tackle the guy because it's better than giving up a touchdown. So he just tackles the guy. Like, okay, whatever. Um, I'm fine with him doing that. And then he gets up. And he does the arm waving thing, like incomplete. Like, why are you celebrating? You know for a fact you ju- you just got a flag pulled on you. I don't know. <laughs> it was just funny. It was just funny to see that. And then he allowed that completion to Allen Robinson, which is honestly just a good throw. But yeah, uh, the defense looked much better once he was off the field. It's kind of like that Kevin King factor a couple weeks ago, where him just not being on the field, giving the Bears a guy to just with him on the field, it's a guy giant bullseye where they're going to say let's target him all game him not being on the field uh just it's kind of a net win for the for the defense one thing about both the Packers offense and the Packers defense is that they start off rough but then they clean up nice and then that 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 bear that Packers defense you know that first drive for the Bears you mentioned was atrocious I mean they just could not stop a cold they couldn't whatever that saying is they couldn't do it they couldn't do anything and the Packers offense was kind of the same way came out sluggish you mentioned didn't look like they got off the plane, blah, blah, blah. And then they clean up nice every time. And we say this every week. They start off slow. Rodgers gets in rhythm and things start rolling. And same thing with the defense. Everything kind of fell into place after the, the adjustment at corner. And then Douglas played a decent decent enough game. Shannon Sullivan had a pretty nice game. Stokes, I love what he's doing. He's he, You know, sometimes like you look at his PFF grades and they're low, but there's like this confidence that you feel with him out there um, it's just different. Like he never makes an egregiously bad play. He, and he's more often not than not making good plays. 
uh, for this defense. So I just feel like the way that things came together and to only hold the Bears to 14 points, I don't care who you're playing. That's hard in this league. Um, and they've been just playing at a great level, holding the holding opposing offenses to, I think, less than 20 points per game since that week one Saints matchup. I mean, it's crazy. Like they, they're just the efficiency is, is not there for offenses going against this team. And it's good stuff. I mean, you have to give them credit. Joe Barry gets some credit. Everybody all around with all the injuries, not having their two best players in Z and, and Ja uh, to not have them and, and for them to be playing as well as they are got to give a lot of credit to the guys who are stepping up and the guys who are coaching them as well yeah it's kind of crazy how how well they've played <laughs> but it still feels like they're not like a good defense uh, a lot of it's due to the offenses that we played I mean who's the best quarterback that we've played this season is it Jameis Winston Jared Goff Jimmy Ben oh wow Oscar I didn't Green. realize that's not good Joe Joe Burrow but yeah oh really. Joe Burrow yeah he's definitely the best one that we played and he didn't play and that he- well yeah, man, I didn't even think about that. I mean, you look yeah, at the schedule. Like, you look at the schedule we've got coming up, and Taylor Heineke, yikes! No, I'm kidding. Yeah. But no, he's. I mean, he might be one of the better <laughs> ones we have to face too. And then after that, it's Kyler Murray and guys. Probably oh, yeah. not Russell Wilson. Probably not man, Russell this, Wilson, but maybe this defense is. They're it's gonna <laughs> they're gonna regress for sure. Right now they're playing pretty well, but they're definitely gonna regress. When we start getting into the Pat Mahomes and the Kyler Murray and the the probably Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, it's don't get too excited over this defense, man. The same same it's always the same thing. It it happened last year too and the year before with Mike Patton, where we just go on these strings where we're playing awful offenses and awful quarterbacks and everyone on Twitter thinks that we have the 85 bears on defense and then we've play a good a good quarterback or a good offensive mind and they embarrass us on national tv and i know it's coming i know it's coming because the packers defense that side of the ball when they put the g on their helmet on it just it curses them and they forget how to play football against good players because i'm just not getting my hopes up but they did play well they did play well at least they can beat the bad offenses because not every defense can and uh, against the bad offenses, against the bad quarterbacks, they look pretty good. So I will take that. I hope that they realize the issues that they have. Like you mentioned, you know, I haven't even really thought about it, but the lack of good quarterbacks that they've played. Even a guy like Kirk Cousins is going to come in here and slice and dice against us if we've got just Stokes out there at corner. Uh, and I don't. I like Quentin Dunbar a lot. I wanted him a couple years back. I wanted him last year. He, he had a good 2019 season. He was the second highest graded corner at PFF. Um, I would have wanted him this past season as well. Um, he's here now on the practice squad. I could totally see him playing this week and getting elevated and, and starting. You know, like he he's he's a good player when he's good, but he's also been bad at times as well. So I'm hoping if their issues aren't resolved, when a quarterback like Kirk Cousins or even if Taylor Heineke can come in and sling the ball around against us, I'm hoping that this happens sooner rather than later with the trade deadline approaching, where if they think they've got to make a move, I mean, they can't just keep getting these veterans off the street and expecting something. You know, they're going to have to look to trade for somebody somehow with whatever money they have or don't have. I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to have to make some kind of move uh, to improve the cornerback room because if Jair is going to continue to be out, We've already got issues at pass rusher. If you know when Preston went down, that was a bad thing because it's Jonathan Garvin who had a nice, decent game for being the third, fourth string guy, and the guy Ladarius Hamilton who we picked up off the street a couple weeks ago. 
we need more there too. We need more there too. And there's other positions we could use talent at, and we're trying to go all in and win the Super Bowl. So we've got to try to limit those possibilities of of holes on the roster and, and just hope that we can get these guys back healthy. But if not, we've got to add at those spots, and, and that's where the trade thing comes in. And hopefully they realize what they need sooner rather than later. Yeah, Quentin Dunbar is just another Rasul Douglas in my mind, where it's just it's like we're so injured, <clears throat> we're so injured at the position that anyone helps. Any NFL players will help at that position when we're looking at Isaac Yidem starting a game for us, and uh, that's what Rasul Douglas did. That's what Quentin Dunbar is going to do. So at least it's something where we're not completely reliant on Eric Stokes and Eric Stokes only. Who was in? He just played his sixth ever NFL game, by the way. But uh, Rasul Douglas, he looked pretty good. You know, it's, I'm not going to get too excited over it. He tackled really well. That was nice. He only allowed two yards after the catch. Five tackles. That was nice. We're actually the the PFF's highest graded tackling team, and we've missed the fewest tackles in the NFL per PFF. Uh, the I'm sure the coaches chart this differently, but per PFF, fewest missed tackles in the league. That's pretty insane. That's like that makes me think maybe we can break the curse of Packers defense because that's always our biggest detriment. Is just so many missed tackles, but this year, the tackling is very nice. The donuts are working this year, evidently. <laughs> I think Devondre Campbell has a lot to do with that. I mean, he's just been oh, so definitely. good. Yeah. He's been so good, and especially in the tackling. Uh, whether it's in coverage after a catch, whether he broke up a pass, or whether he's doing something in the run game, getting the tackle for loss, like he's just been spectacular. You can't you can't say enough about him. He had another good game this week. Uh, he's going to continue to do that. But the other guys at the linebacker spot, we haven't mentioned uh, yet, but Jalen Smith came in and had his first game here with the Packers, and he played 17 snaps. Um, it wasn't great, but I'm not going to, you know, I, I do feel like he can come in and, and be that guy next to Campbell, um, mo- more so on passing downs. Uh, and I think Barnes will continue to do his thing, uh, you know, when it's first and second down. But, uh, you know, Bar- neither, none of those three guys, Oren Burks to me is just like, we got to get him off the field. He looks, he's noticeably black, noticeably bad on the TV copy. And that's a problem. You know, that's bad when, when you're picking up on it, you know, not even watching the film, just as you're watching the game, he's just getting exploited in the run game. He can't cover in the passing game. He was this guy that was supposed to be a dual threat of, you know, being a safety hybrid linebacker, hybrid pass rusher, hybrid picked him in the third round and he really can't do any of it well um so he's been a problem so it's good to have Jalen in here who can do something well which is he can work in the passing game and he's pretty good at blitzing the quarterback as well so he's got a lot of value um and like we mentioned he's a pro bowl player in this league he he was in the pro bowl um and he was very good in that pro bowl year not just you know the the popularity contest he he was very good and has been good in the past and he's still young uh, Chris Barnes did not play well either. None, really, none of those three guys played very well um, in limited snaps. But Barnes, we've seen what he can do. He's been pretty reliable when he's in there. Uh, so he'll. I'm assuming it'll be Barnes and, and Jalen Smith kind of manning the middle um, in in kind of a blend with what Devondre is doing, playing every snap. Yeah, Jalen Smith. He played 17 snaps. He he didn't look that good. He looked he looked you know he kind of what I expected honestly like. Most linebackers are bad, man. That's what people need to realize. Most linebackers are bad. There's only like three or four good ones. Even good ones, there's only like three or four of those. Linebacker is just, in today's NFL, it's such a hard position to play. 
where you have to defend the run, you have to defend the pass, you have to defend the play action, the RPOs. Offense is their entire offense is dictated around making you incorrect. They're trying to look at what you're doing, especially on RPOs. Like they're literally just reading what you're doing and making you wrong. So that's why having a a, a Bobby Wagner or a, a Levante David, it's so valuable for a defense or the prime Luke Keekley, he was insane. But Jalen Smith, I, he doesn't need to be Ray Lewis, you know? Like if just having an, an athlete out there who knows what he's doing can make plays when every now and then it's it's valuable enough. And Devondre Campbell, he might, he might be that Ray Lewis, Luke Keekley type, honestly, because he, he continues to shine. But uh, Jalen Smith, I'm not expecting him to be an all-pro, but just having another guy in there who can – who can blitz well, who can play coverage, and is going to miss a gap or two in their run game. I'm fine with that. I'm still optimistic about him as a player overall for this defense, mostly because he does have that – he has the star power that we need in, in the middle next to Devondre. Not that star power means anything, but he has a presence, a leadership factor, and I he has experience. That's really the main thing too. He's got good experience playing at a high level. Um, in this league and you have to give him some slack being this you know he was only acquired a little over a week ago he's thrusted into this thing now kind of just learning the playbook trying to get it all down he's been practicing with the team for a week you know I'm gonna give him some time certainly this is he's played well this year even in spots he hasn't played bad even with the Cowboys he played decent games with them uh, when he was playing snaps uh, so I'm, I'm definitely not going to rule it out that he's going to come in and still be a decent player for us. He thinks he's still an elite player. He said that, um, when he had his press conference, uh, last week. And, and I do believe he can still come in and be a good player for this defense. And once things kind of start to settle down for him and he gets more comfortable next to Devondre, I think that duo will be one of the reasons why if we play well on defense, I think that'll be one of the reasons why we do so. Just having an athlete back there is nice. Uh, I'd take anyone with the raw athletic ability of Jalen Smith over like a like a Blake Martinez or Antonio Morrison type that we've seen in Green Bay. So I'll take it. I'm not going to get too picky with my linebackers, especially being a Packer fan for the past few years, you know. Um, Kenny Clark, let's touch on him because he's been he's been a borderline all-pro this year, man. He is he, Every single game, he is the guy that we're talking about on the defensive side of the ball where he just he played out of his mind. He had two sacks, finally. He has his first sack of the season on Sunday, and then he got another one two plays later. <laughs> that was pretty strange. That's how, that's how unreliable sacks are, sacks are as, as a statistic. But um, he had six more pressures. He was breaking everything up in the run game. He's just been playing phenomenal this year. Yeah, Kenny, I mean, we've always talked about how Kenny needs help in the middle, and we, we need to get another guy next to Kenny Clark. Dean Lowry has played pretty well these past couple weeks, but it's really all about what Kenny Clark is doing, mostly on his own, breaking through double teams, disrupting the line of scrimmage You know, at the snap. Those are the kind of things that are so valuable to what he does. The two sacks were impressive. I mean, he was wrapping him up, chasing down Justin Fields, one of the faster guys at that position. Um, Jonathan Garvin was able to do that once as well. The sacks were there. I mean, that was a good thing. To be able to wrap up a guy as elusive as him, um, Dean Lowry also had one of those too. And, I mean, it was just really good stuff uh, for for that kind of thing to go down. Uh, on that, you know, with, with, the, with the guys we have up front, not having Z, not having Preston for almost all of the game, good to see that really and, and it, Kenny went down too at one point um, people forgot about that too how Kenny Clark did go down at one point and 
he uh you know Matt LaFleur talked about how he saw that Kenny Clark went down and he was like you know I really thought I was about to throw up <laughs> and uh, it was so funny to hear that because you know how valuable he is to this defense and so does Matt LaFleur um so I'm excited about what he's doing and hopefully he can keep playing this well yeah I almost puked as well uh, all over my living room floor that <laughs> that was scary because if without, I do not want to know what this defense looks like without Kenny Clark because they've been hanging on by a thread uh, in the run game and in, in the pass rush game too. And uh, not having Kenny Clark would make a big difference. Um, he's border, he, He's never been to a Pro Bowl, I don't think. I don't think he's ever been to a Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl is so stupid. But this year, it'll be such a farce if he doesn't get in. All pro conversation as well for Kenny Clark. Uh, Rashawn Gary, he had seven pressures on Sunday. Uh, another solid solid game for him. He's been putting together a pretty good season in his third year. The red zone defense, that's what I want to touch on next. Man, it is just it's kind of unbelievable, isn't it? Like it's kind of like almost impossible seeming for a red zone defense to be as bad as the Packers red zone defense is. What are they at now? 15? 14? Is it 15? It might be 15 touchdowns allowed in the red zone in a row this season. And that's just this season. It's more than that dating back to last year. Yeah, but, it goes to like 22 or 23, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, the good thing is is that they aren't getting – they're not having to be in the red zone as much as they were in previous years. They're doing much better between the 20s than they have in a long time um, with Joe Barry. But the problem is once they get to the red zone, you might as well just carry the running back or – you know, you might as well just throw the ball into the end zone for him because that's what's happening, really. It's it's surprising. Uh, it's it's astounding, the numbers. You know, just hearing that is really shocking, especially since, you know, knowing what we've been able to do in the red zone, especially with Mike Pettin. You, you know, he was very, very good about once they get in the red zone, it's really bend but don't break, and they're allowing field goals, and that's how they win games, by scoring touchdowns and only allowing field goals. And... Joe Barry's been much more about doing all the work inside the twenties, and once that goes away and and they're into the red zone, it's like he's kind of conceding uh, points in whatever way. So it, it is bizarre, but I, I'm sure that they'll they'll have to figure it out. That's going to be the number one topic this week once he comes to the podium, and he's going to have to speak about it again and and try to he has to he has to adjust somehow. I mean, there's got to be something. It, this can't go on, and we're not going to win the Super Bowl. If we're playing like this on defense, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's it's just more of the same that we've seen in 2021. The miscommun- miscommunication in the red zone, that second touchdown, Chris Barnes, he just it looks like he's pa- trying to pass off his guy, Darnell Mooney, and there's just no one there. So Darnell just sits down wide open, no guy within five yards of him, and it's an easy pitch and catch. It's too much of that this year, man. It's week six. Come on. Come on, it's week six. I'm sick of the miscommunication in the red zone. Come on, Joe Barry, get your get your guys together here. Uh, I uh, almost want to give him a pass because of the <laughs> the interchangeability and all the injuries that there's been, but no, no excuses. Come on, uh, we can't be allowing wide open touchdowns week six. Uh, and when we play better quarterbacks, better offenses, I I don't want to think about what might happen down inside the twenty yard line. Griff, I have to ask you. I mean, you're looking at this team, right? And there's there's the two things that are missing. On the defensive side of the ball, I mean, can we truly go out and and win a Super Bowl if if Zadarius doesn't play another snap for this team this year, and if Jair doesn't play another snap? I mean, can we really go and win the Super Bowl without our two best players on defense? I don't know if I see it, Griff. I mean, it's just such a task. 
I mean, that is a truly difficult thing to go and do. Kenny's still there, and he's obviously right in the mix with those two, but to lose your best corner and to not have a, a, a replacement and then to lose your best pass rusher, and yes, you've got Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, but it's, I mean, they're not going to be as good at those spots, and, and we can't have, I, we're not, are we going to win a Super Bowl with Rasul Douglas as our number two corner or Kevin King as our number two corner or or Jonathan Garvin and Ladarius Hamilton playing half the game. I don't think we can do it, Griff. I, I have to hope, and we have to hope as a, as a fan base and a team that we can get these guys back as soon as possible. That's what we're all hoping, man. But I don't know. Talk to me after the Cardinals game, the Thursday night game, because that's going to be the true litmus test. Even this week, I can totally see us holding the football team to 10 points or less, and it's still not going to feel like a real like a real victory. Uh, because we've seen that in Green Bay before. But talk to me after we play the, the Chiefs and the Cardinals and the Rams and the Seahawks even, because I think those games might get pretty ugly. And at that point, if the news about Jair and or Zedarius isn't looking positive, then it might be time to make a few phone calls. Trade deadlines when? Early, early November, November 2nd. Yeah. It's November 2nd. We don't have time for yeah. that, Griff. Yeah, not by a lot time of time November there, 2nd, but, uh... By the time November 2nd rolls around, let me look at the schedule here. By the time November 2nd rolls around, we it's will right after the Cardinals have, game. It's right after the Cardinals game. We'll have one chance to see, and then that's really when the trade stuff will start to kick <laughs> off. Um, so, hey, hey, man, I mean, if, we'll see. If the, Car- if the Cardinals put 40 on us, then maybe we make a few calls. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> that's not what I want <laughs> Which to I can happen, totally, but... I can totally see that happening. I well the problem is we have about 4 million dollars in cap space 5 million I think it's something like that and I don't know what kind of I, they'd have to really make some they couldn't even take on Stefan Gilmore's 7 million dollar contract that would we would have only had to pay him some small some small amount of money uh to, to he was as good as here at one point in Green Bay and then all of a sudden he wasn't that would have been really it I mean that would have been perfect cuz then you're talking about if Jair comes back, we've got the best cornerback duo in football, plus a great rookie on the bench, and Shannon Sullivan can still play in the slot if needed, and Kevin King is still there. But instead, now it's no Jair. Stokes is our number one, and who knows what else after that. So, I mean, that was a big miss. To not be able to get him was a really disappointing, and now we've got to find a way to get somebody else at a high level of, of play where – they, I hope. I, it sounds like they're hoping Jair can come back. They say he's positively progressing and everything's healing well, but they can't rule out surgery just yet. Obviously, we know surgery means that he's done for the year. If they can get a guy to come in and play really well, like I don't know who. It was mentioned that Xavier Howard, like if he was to be requesting a trade or if he was going to be available from the Dolphins, they, I, I don't know how they'd make that work with his with the money on his deal. But that would be obviously huge. Um to make that happen, to have those two guys on the outside, Jair coming back at some point, that would be great. Um, but they're going to have to make some moves uh, for sure. They need to add talent there to try to win the Super Bowl. I just don't know if they can really do that when Tom Brady is, is you know, when we're facing Tom Brady. I mean, he picked Kevin King apart. Imagine what they're going to do with Rasul Douglas or – Isaac Yidem or whoever else would be out there and, and the pass rush, we need that too. So we just need to get something in the building and, and hopefully it's something good.
the Xavier Howard stuff, man, it just it just sounds a lot like fantasy football. It sounds a lot like Madden. Like I just cannot see that happening with the caps. Oh, it's not happening. It's not. No, it's it's not happening. For the record, it's not happening. I just wanted to throw that out there as like a dream scenario. There is zero percent chance that happens. In fact, I would say that there's zero percent chance any move happens. But I would uh, I would like it, but it doesn't make any sense money wise, and that's gonna. You know, the nerds are going to hate that up in the cap space area, but that, you know, it's not going to work. And anytime you mention a move, oh, no, we have no money. It's like, well, you know, then they go around and make money and teams do that consistently. I don't know where yeah. we're going to get any money from for that kind of move if we were to make it. But whatever we do, it's going to have to be somebody cheap, probably on some kind of rookie deal. That's why I thought, you know, Ertz, he's not on a rookie deal, but his contract wasn't as much. It wouldn't have been a, as big of an issue to take on. Um, Dallas Goddard, his name was being thrown around. He's on a rookie deal. He's on his, the last year of his deal. That's the type of thing we're looking for, the one-year rental thing with the cheap deal. Um, I'm not sure who's even out there or who's available because we re- we don't hear much of that stuff until that, you know, it's November 2nd is when it's gonna the trade deadline goes down. So that's really when we'll start hearing all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what we're going to do, but the answer is probably nothing. Yeah, most likely nothing. It's going to be a lot of relying on who we got in the building and then these cheap street free agents that we find like Rasul Douglas and Quentin Dunbar. But that's kind of, that's, that's going to be it, man. Stefan Gilmore, that was the, that's the closest we're getting to trading for any kind of superstar. And that was just the Packers are the, the favorite right now inside team circles or whatever. That's I hope you enjoyed that while for the six hours it lasted because I I did. It was fun. I was excited. And then I was brought back to reality by Brian Gutekunst in the Packers uh, Russ Ball and everyone in the Packers front office. Um, moving on here, um, the I I mean I don't even want to get too too heavy on this defense because again I was never really afraid of this game being in jeopardy. Even when they were up seven nothing, I feel, still felt like. It's Justin Fields, man. He's he's not he's not good. Matt Nagy, awful coach. I was never really afraid. Why did they not run it with Fields more? Like same thing with Shanahan and uh, Trey Lance, week three. Why 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 are they not running it? Like we we cannot defend it. I promise you, we will not be able to defend the Justin <laughs> Fields QB power. I do not know why they didn't try it. Well, you know what it is, Matt Nagy. He to me is just atrocious as a head coach from. Not only what he does on the field, the play calling is just like, wow. I mean, I've watched a lot of their tape these past couple of weeks, and it's just, and I've over the years, it's the same, it's the same old stuff. We were saying the same thing about Mitch. We're gonna have to watch them running, running with him, and he was gonna be the main fact. And then they just wouldn't run the ball with him at all, even though that was the clear way that they were gonna be able to have a truly successful thing over our defense. Um, instead they try to pass the ball. Their running game was working, but they just, the the stuff they're doing in the passing game is mediocre. It's amateur hour. Some of the stuff that they're calling and it's basic stuff, Matt Nagy, you know, when, when, whether he's, you know, he turns over the play calls, it's a disciple of his, you know, calling the plays and it's just poor. The offense is, the scheme is poor. It doesn't matter who's calling the plays. His stuff is just not good. And off the field, he's even worse. I mean, he is. His attitude, you know, in press conferences, the the stuff he talks about, it's just I don't know how anybody, any player could buy into the stuff he says and and just his general attitude and aura as a leader. It's just 
it's just poor. I, I, I've never been a fan of him. Obviously, he's on the Bears as a head coach, but I just I've never had a high level of respect for what he does as a football coach. Yeah, the visor with the shiny bald head. I mean, that's that's enough, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's really all you need as a fan to just say he's, he's garbage. Yeah, I think my favorite Matt Nagy moment is when he made like the 2019 Bears team rewatch yep. Cody Parkey's missed field goal and over then, and yep. over again. Like, and then he made them all. What? And then every every kicker that he he tried out, like from that point forward, like they had this huge kicker workout. And oh they had yeah. Them all, they had them all kick from the same spot where the double doink occurred, even though the <laughs> kick was blocked. The kick got blocked, and he's like making everybody kick from the same spot to prove a point. We're not gonna miss from here ever again. You know, it's just like just a terrible head coach. He's so bad. I can't believe he's still on the team. It's a blessing for us, but we're kind of revealing all the secrets here. I'm hoping that nobody, you know, you don't want anybody to hear this because we want him to stick around. But goodness gracious, he's just terrible. I, he's just terrible. I forgot, man. He was making them try the same field goal. Why, man? Why? Just for his own his own morale, I guess. Oh, it and was garbage. He, he's the worst. Oh my God. Yeah, he's the worst. Hopefully he's in Chicago for many years to come. I think I think Justin Fields is gonna buy him some time. I think it's going to be like, you can't fire me yet, man. I still got, I, I was playing with a rookie quarterback. We won eight games with a rookie quarterback. You got to give me one more year. Then I think he gets one more year. And I hope so. Um, Let's move on to Washington here. We we kind of wrapped up everything from that Bears game, right? Yeah, let's move on to Washington. All right. So uh, the football team, what's their record? Two and four, I believe. Uh, they, they are not very good. Uh, people thought coming into the year that their defense, for the most part, was going to be uh, going to be one of the best defensive units in the NFL, and they have not been that at all. They've given up the most points through six games this year out of any team in the league by like a pretty wide margin, too. Uh, they Their secondary is just bad. Kendall Fuller, their f- cornerback number one, he's been okay, but every player other than that, no one else has given up a passer rating below 90. They've they've all been bad. Their defensive front has played okay, but for the everywhere else, their de- their defense is just not good. Yeah, they had that huge like everybody thought they were gonna be like the best defense in the league because they obviously the front Chase Young he's very good, but they just haven't been that same like they're just not all that on defense. They just for whatever reason it's been. I think the secondary the safety play has been bad. Um, they just haven't been good in terms of when you look at the uh, that safety position. Landon Collins just has not been what they were hoping for ever since they picked him up. Uh, his stuff in the passing game has been bad. He's almost he's kind of like Jamal Adams, where he really has always been a box safety type, um, and his stuff is is thumping in the run game, hitting guys hard, and he's just not very good in the passing game. And he's gotten regressively worse over the course of these last several years. And he's just playing bad football at this point. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I don't know what else to say, really. Their, their defense, they've got good guys up front, but the stuff in the back end just hasn't been very good. And then in the middle of the field, it hasn't been good as well with their linebacker play. Um, so when all that stuff isn't working, it's hard to kind of, even if the pass rush is there, it's hard to kind of put it all together. As, and then when you look at the offense and, and the lack of cohesiveness that goes on there and, and the quarterback switch, and all that stuff, they're trying to get the running game going. So all those things kind of put into one one spot, 
uh, and they're just not a good football team here. Yeah, remember how bad we wanted Len Collins in 2019? <laughs> he would have been an upgrade. Uh, he would have been. He he still would have been over an upgrade Kentrell Bryce. Over yeah, Kentrell Bryce. Yeah. yeah, over Kentrell Bryce and whoever else we were putting back there. I don't even know their names anymore. Yeah, I would have taken it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's been pretty bad. Uh, in coverage, he's just combined interceptions and pass breakups. He's had a one in the last two seasons. I he's just been bad. Typical Washington football team thing to do: overpay a free agent. And have him just be awful for you. Uh, he's been pretty good in the in the run game, but other than that, he's been dreadful. Other uh, def- their defensive front has been very solid though. Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, they've been pressuring the quarterback all year and stopping the run very well. They haven't allowed a hundred yard rusher. So having Bakhtiari back this game, which I I do not think will happen, but having him back this game would be would be very beneficial. Yeah, it certainly would. But in the meantime, it's going to have to be those same guys. Um, that we've been lining up out there. And now with Elton back, hopefully kind of getting back into the swing of things after a not-so-great game. Um, yeah, you mentioned Sweat, Allen, Payne, and Young there. That, that that crew is very good, and they've all played really well. Deron Payne in the middle is certainly a force. So whoever's playing center will have to deal with him. And then, of course, um, what they're doing with Allen in the middle too. That's I mean, he's, he's Jonathan Allen's a beast. He's, he's doing great things. Uh, and you mentioned the pass rushers. So those guys are going to be certainly a factor. They're going to be able to rush with four and have success. Uh, but what Green Bay is going to have to do against that rush is kind of hopefully get the passing game going. Um, they're going to have to hope they can get that time. They're, I feel like Washington's going to be confident to rush four, and, and that's where Green Bay comes in, utilizes their five-man protection, um, and, and hopefully that gives Rodgers some time to kind of dissect what's going on and go through his reads progressively. Um William Jackson, another guy at the corner spot. You mentioned Kendall Fuller's having a decent year, but William Jackson's not playing well. So you just all those guys in the middle of the field also not having a good year. Um, the rookie, Jamin Davis, not playing well to start. Um, so there's a lot of issues there, but uh, the guys that they do have playing well will certainly be tough to kind of try to uh, work around, but I'm confident in our offense to be able to do that for sure. Yeah, getting MVS back this week hopefully will be a big help for the passing game, being able to take the top off the defense, which we've been unable to do for the most part these past three weeks. Uh, Looking at the offensive side of the ball for the football team, they have been better than the defense, but not very good. Taylor Heineke, a lot of people got excited over him after the playoff game last year and the Thursday night game a couple weeks ago. But, I mean, he's he's, he's played a lot like Alex Smith last year and Kyle Allen last year just – you know, an average quarterback who, against a good de- or a bad defense, maybe is going to look okay. Which, who knows what our defense? Our defense a bad defense? Maybe he might look pretty good. Uh, Kyle Allen, <laughs> remember that Carolina game two years ago? He looked like Tom Brady. Maybe Heineke will have one of those games, but uh, he he's not been great against the Kansas City defense last week. Who their defense has just been awful, awful this season. They couldn't even score two touchdowns. Heineke looked bad. So I'm not expecting this to to be too much of a struggle for our defense. Their offensive line has been playing well, but other than that, I think that's why they've been able to kind of get the run game going. But the problem is if we're able to get ahead of them pretty quickly and and like the Chiefs have done and other teams that they've played against, they're not able to establish the run and they're going to have to try to throw the ball around the yard. And with Heineke not playing great, um, it's going to be tough to do that. Of course, they've got Terry McLaurin, who's a great receiver. Uh, Diami Brown, the rookie, has been okay, but they, you know, not a lot of weapons out there, and uh, 
just not a, it's a not good team. It's just not a good team. And we thought that they would be better because of their defense and Fitzmagic's not playing. Uh, so things are kind of unraveling for them pretty early on. Uh, so we're going to have to, this is one of those games where we have to come out, play aggressive and win in our throwback uniforms. It's going to be all set up for us to go out there and win. And we have to make sure we execute and do that. Um, and this should be a big win. It should be a game where maybe we score 30 plus and we score by double digits. Once again, hopefully two touchdowns, 20 points, something along those lines where we come out and get a statement win before a big, big matchup with the Cardinals on Thursday night that we're probably already starting to prepare for. Um, uh, just, you know, with all the work that we've got to do with this Washington game, plus a quick turnaround in Arizona. Hopefully, man. Hopefully this can just be a real statement win over a, a bad team, a bad team that we should beat by multiple scores. Um, Wearing the throwback jerseys, I can't wait to see those. Those are going to look so good. And guess what, Bron? It's going to be uh, the early forecast is showing 54 and cloudy for uh, Sunday's game. So might be a little bit of white sleeves action for Aaron Rodgers. That's that's always my favorite time of year. That's that's peak football season when Rodgers breaks out the what the white sleeves under the green jersey. I was hoping this week. I was monitoring the Chicago weather all week last week. It was looking like early or low sixties. I was like maybe maybe, and then he comes out pregame with no sleeves. I was like God damn it. But this week, <laughs> fifty four. I don't know, man. I don't know. What is the mark that Rodgers goes? Okay, it's cold enough to wear my sleeves today. I wonder what that <laughs> I don't is. Know. Probably I think fifty. He just... It's probably 50 degrees, but that's a pure guess on my part. No, I don't know. It just seems like a good number. It's like we play in Wisconsin, so I don't want to be wearing sleeves when it's 50 plus, you know? I mean, it's going to get a lot yeah. colder, and you know what I mean? He just looks so good in the sleeves. I would wear them every week. 80 degrees. Week one, Jacksonville, Florida. I see. <laughs> <laughs> the white sleeves. Hey, man, he can't play much worse in the, in the uh, hot temperatures you know, <laughs> compared to what he does yeah. now. I was telling you last week for the game, Griff. I want to see him bring out the turtleneck again. Go completely old oh, school. He's got he's got his man. rookie haircut right now, and he's you know playing like a rookie with the athleticism he's shown in the running game. And why don't we break out the turtleneck? Yeah. Fifty four degrees. I'd like to see it. Oh, that would be so nice under the green throwback jerseys, man. That that'd be a good look. My favorite look of Rogers. One of them, at least, is uh, Week 6, 2019, Monday night against the Lions. We were wearing the color rush, the white jerseys, the white pants, and he wore the white sleeves. Oh, that was a good uniform, man. I-, I wish we would bring back the white color rushes. I love those unis. I'm hoping to see the yellow sleeve. I wish Jair was playing because he rocked the yellow sleeves last year. But I'm hoping to see yeah. with this with the throwback unis, the green and then the yellow numbers, and I want to see, like, MVS used to wear them in the, in the pregame last year. If MVS comes back wearing the green jersey, yellow number, and the yellow sleeves underneath, he's going for oh. 300 yards and five touchdowns. <laughs> That'd be a good look. Uh, give me your official score prediction for this week, bro. Well, I'm going to give you an X-Factor, too, because I love the X-Factors, and to me, it is, if this all it hinges on him coming back, I'm going to go with MVS because... Uh, he's going to take the top off that defense, kind of open up the passing game for us, and I think Rodgers is going to be able to hit him this time uh, when he does get open, and it'll help Devontae as well. So I'm going to go with MVS as the X factor, and I'm going to go with a score of 31 to 12. I think we're going to really put their lights out, and it's not going to be it's not going to be pretty. Um, I'm hoping we do that too, because then it'll really look like you know I think I forget who the Cardinals play, but it's going to be a it's going to be an easy matchup. I, I looked at it um, earlier today and. They're going to probably come out and they're going to be 
seven and zero, and we're going to be six and one going into Thursday, and uh, it's going to be a big heavyweight matchup. So that is going to be a huge game, and not to look too far ahead, but uh, this one should be a big win for us to propel us into that big NFC matchup on Thursday night. Oh God! Oh God! You just gave me chills. I'm. Oh, I can't wait for that game. Ew, it might suck. It might really suck, dude. I do oh, have a I'm way with gonna... words, don't I? I do. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk about the game next week. We'll talk about it next week. This week, not to count our chickens before they hatch. Uh, I'm gonna go with a 31 to 10 victory. The football team that sucks. That's two it, points for mine. That's now I gotta hope I, a safety I'm... happens or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's funny. I hate the football team, man. They, you know this. They've always been my just. I hate them. The toxic culture for women, the the name change that they refused to do for so many years until their sponsors threatened to revoke their sponsorships. They're, this this past week with the Gruden controversy, and then like, oh, we're just gonna re- retire Sean Taylor's number out of the blue. We're doing that this Sunday, three days prior. Like, oh my god, they what suck, a publicity dude. stunt that was. What a garbage they, publicity they, stunt. That's ridiculous. Hack right? owner. I mean, Man, yes, they they've been so bad. Speaking of the owner, the, the Bruce Allen, the president at the time, we all heard I, another. Here's another reason. We all know that I don't like Adam Schefter, and we saw what happened with him. He came out and was sending articles to the Redskins president at Redskins at the time president. Yeah. Uh, I mean, gosh, like just he's been awful. Adam Schefter, his, this is a rough year for him, but. And, and then obviously that's in unison with what's going on in Washington. So I think that's a lot of distractions going on. Like they're getting investigated and they're trying to play football when people's jobs are on the line and, and you know, who knows what's going to happen. So like, I feel like football is one of their last concerns right now. And people are kind of not realizing that. And I think it's going to be tough for them to kind of put any good performances out there. Yeah, they suck, and they always overpay for free agents. That's another thing. They suck. They're never going to win a Super Bowl. They're awful, and I just hate them. I always have hated them, and I'm very happy that I was not born in Maryland. I wasn't born in Wisconsin either, but <laughs> that's besides the fact. Anyways, that's going to do it for the podcast. Thank you so much for listening this far in. Uh, Braun, I didn't give you an X Factor. You're going to kill me after we're done with this, but I don't really care. It's late. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please leave a like. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers, uh, Braun on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers, and follow the podcast on both those platforms as well, as well uh, at Today in Titletown on Instagram and at Today Titletown. No in at just just at Today Titletown on Twitter. Uh, please follow those because we're, we're trying to tweet more on the, the Twitter. Um, uh, subscribe on whatever platform. I just realized last week, Bron, that we're on Google Podcasts. I didn't know that. Yeah, we're on Google Podcasts. So if you listen on, uh, you're already listening. So I, I don't know. But subscribe on all the platforms. Just help the engagement, please. Leave a review, please. It helps the engagement. Helps more people discover this podcast. Uh, it would mean a lot. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Send us a DM if you like the podcast. Give us our feedback. We would love to hear from you and make sure uh, that you're listening. We'd love to hear it. So uh, please do uh, let us know how we're doing and and leave us a review and all that good stuff. Thanks again, everybody. Go Pack Go. You do the outro. Is there an outro too? That's cool. (laughs) You didn't know there was an outro? Yeah, there's an outro. (laughs) 